Welcome to the Millennial Success Stories podcast, a space for millennial women entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and those who dare to forge their own path. My name is Jackie Kossoff, and I'm a marketing strategist and success coach, multi-passionate entrepreneur, writer, traveler, and history lover. The mission of this podcast is to uplift, inspire, and empower young women to create a life that reflects their own version of success. I believe in sharing our experiences so we may learn from one another and grow together as a community. If you're ready to write your own success story, let us begin. And always remember, success has no age requirement. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Millennial Success Stories podcast. I am so excited to share this conversation that I had with today's guest, Ellen Schenke. Ellen is one of my mastermind sisters um, inside the Accelerator Mastermind with Amber Lillystrom. And we just had such an amazing time talking about um, Ellen's journey. Ellen is a life coach and personal growth enthusiast. She spent a year in remote years, so she was traveling around the world for an entire year working online, and that really got her to to start her own business, to start her own coaching business. And she had actually stepped out of her graduate program. She left graduate school in order to pursue her dream of traveling the world and and now working online. So I absolutely had such an amazing time talking with Ellen. You'll see that this is a bit of a longer episode than usual. And I think that's just because we had so much fun talking together and we had so much to talk about. And I definitely plan on having her on the show again at some point, um, hopefully soon. So please, you know, let me know what you think of this episode, what you want to hear from Ellen when she comes back. And before I dive into my conversation with Ellen, Um, I really just wanted to invite you and ask a big favor and just say that it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts because it is so important to hear from listeners such as yourself how much you like the show in order for this podcast, in order for millennial success stories to reach new people, to reach the other young women out there who are, you know, trying to figure out how to build a life of their dreams and, and this show can, can really help them. So thank you so much in advance for all your help in getting this show in front of some more amazing women. So thank you so much. And without any further ado, let us get into my conversation with Ellen. Hi, Ellen. Welcome to Millennial Success Stories. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for you to join me today. And I, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm so incredibly excited. So let us get started. Me too, me too. I want to hear about, just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself about, you know, kind of your journey up to this point, you know, what you do, your business and, you know, and what led you here and yeah, just 
go. <laughs> okay. I'll try to keep this as succinct as possible because I feel like this could be an hour in and of itself. Um, but uh, I'm born and raised in the Seattle area. And I was one of those, like those good kids that was very well-rounded and kind of like did all the things that they were supposed to do. I was taking, you know, AP classes. I was doing all the, like the music classes. I played soccer growing up. And so I, by the time I got to college, you know, because I was a good little kid, I'd kind of chosen my major and that was going to be my thing. Like 17, 18, I decided, okay, I'm going to be, okay, of all things, a microbiologist. This was the major that I chose. <laughs> That's a whole other story as to why I chose that. But um, I'm kind of a science nerd and I chose microbiology as my major and, you know, did all the things I was supposed to, uh, got my scholarships, got into college. And then when I graduated from college, I kind of was told that the, the next logical step I should take is to get my PhD. You know, I'd only ever done research. I started working in biomedical research labs when I was 18. Um, so by the time I started my PhD program, I had six years of research experience, which was kind of insane. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I started my PhD and I got into, like, I was very successful in my applications and I got into like my dream PhD program. Like, really, really like personable people, really, really fun group of people, really interesting research, but it kind of all started to quickly go downhill <laughs> in graduate school. I, you know, PhD programs, it's like all the smartest kids from all of their universities. So suddenly I was experiencing intense imposter syndrome. Like I had never experienced before. I like just was throwing myself into my graduate program at the expense of me and, and my health and, you know, my happiness. And it was actually the first time I landed in therapy. Like my program director told me like, you need to go talk to this therapist because it got so bad. But toward the end of my first year of my PhD, I realized that I needed to do something for me. And in doing that, I started focusing on my health and that led me to health and fitness coaching. A, because I wanted a discount on the products I was using and B, because I realized I needed accountability. So I'm kind of walking these two paths simultaneously, like realizing how much I love coaching and doing the PhD all at the same time, which was a crazy thing in and of itself. But the longer I walked this path, the more I came to realize because of all the personal growth I was doing, holy shit, I'm on the wrong path. Like, I don't want, can I swear? I should ask that. Yeah. I mean, okay. yeah, no, like, okay, I, cool. yeah, I'm just like, yeah, why not? Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm a swearer. So I should just, yeah. So I kind of had this holy shit moment of realizing I don't actually want this anymore, but I fought it for a really, really long time because everything and everyone was telling me, no, stay on this path. You can't, you know, you can't, build a, a living and a livelihood and have any sort of quote unquote real career as a coach. So I stayed in my PhD and um, grew to actually very much resent the coaching opportunity that I was involved in because it just threw a monkey wrench into my life in this really extreme way. But I hit 2016, it was spring 2016. And I had a, I call it an avalanche of low point. My grandpa passed away who he was the first, uh, you know, significant family member I've ever lost. I literally got home from his funeral, which was in Seattle. And I went back to Michigan for graduate school and my car, my parked vehicle had been hit while I was gone. So I literally like looked at my Uber driver, said, thank you. And then looked out the window and there was my demolished car. So that, and then a few weeks after that, I was in a bicycling accident, broke my arm. And then about a month or two after that, it was the worst professional meeting of my life. 
And I just kind of threw up my hands and I was just like, I'm done. Like, this is not worth my sanity. This is not worth my happiness. And frankly, for being in school, I don't feel like I'm learning much. So I decided to quit, um, which it was a decision that was about three years in the making, but didn't happen until the beginning of my fourth year of my PhD. And it took everything in me to make that decision, but it ultimately was the best decision of my life. Um, you could say I was going through a quarter life crisis, but I still like firmly believe that was the best decision of my life. And following that, about six months later, I found a random company on the internet that you could travel with them for a year, like a travel work program. And so I gave them $5,000 that I didn't have at the time, gained credit cards, and went and traveled with them for a year. And while I was doing that, I started doing my coaching business. So I started a transformational life coaching business in early 2017 while I was traveling to, I think we went to 11 countries that year. And yeah, it's been madness. I started the business. I launched an online course. I started writing three different novels. I launched a podcast. That was my 2018. Now here I am. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, there is so much that <laughs> we need to get into and I don't even know where to start. So let's just start with your story and we'll get to kind of the success questions, you know, from the, for the okay. show later. That's good. So let's see. First of all, I don't even know where to start. So we're going to start with traveling just because I love traveling. So first of all, what was that like for you just in on multiple fronts, you know, like what was it like traveling and working as part of the program, but also what was it like building your business alongside that? And kind of what did you learn when you were traveling that maybe has helped you in business, you know, just kind of think, things like that. Yeah. So uh, the first word that came to mind was chaos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like what the interesting thing was the impulse that I had to travel was the fact that, you know, I'd been in a position where I had zero flexibility. Like you can only work if you're doing science research, you do that from a lab, unless you're like a field researcher, which the kind of research I was doing was not. So when this opportunity arose, it was kind of one of those situations where I was like, I could never do this in my former life. I have to like, now is the time. Like I was going back to my hometown of Seattle um, with, you know, not going to a dream job. I wasn't in a relationship. I didn't have kids. There was like no better time to do this, mm-hmm. to, to take this leap. You know, I've read the four hour work week and I kind of wanted to know what that lifestyle was like. So starting that year, it was, you know, we started in Buenos Aires. We spent six months in Latin America and it was feeling like you needed to do everything. Like when I started that year, my first month was, literally no wasted days. Like every single day I was doing something. I was going and, you know, going on a street art tour or going to Boca, which is their big, you know, soccer area. And I'm a huge soccer fan. So everything, like every single day we were doing something. And contrary to what you might hear on this podcast, I identify as an introvert and I was exhausted, especially because you're working. So, you know, I was, at the time I was science editing for a good portion of my income as I kind of built up my coaching business. And so I'm working, you know, sitting in front of a computer, reading science articles, like six or eight hours a day, and then trying to go and be a tourist after that. And it was fun, but it was exhausting. And I learned very, very quickly that I love traveling. I love adventure. I love being outside, 
But that kind of digital nomad lifestyle where you're constantly on the move and there's no impermanence or there's, there's complete impermanence. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I just couldn't do that long-term. And I actually realized that about six months into my 12 month program. So I knew <laughs> at like month six, this is not the lifestyle for me. But I think what it taught me, I kept referring to it as concentrated human experience because purely the amount of things that you're doing and the amount of things that you're experiencing, you learn very quickly what you like, what you don't like in an apartment, in the kinds of foods that you want to eat, in the kinds of people you want to live with. Because I was traveling with 50 other people. So we were changing roommates mm -hmm. like every single month. So you learn very, very quickly what you like and what you don't like. And I also feel like it taught me, gave me a little bit of, of grace with some of the parts of my personality that I don't like as much, you know? So it was, the whole experience was just concentrated growth and awareness about me. And that was probably the best part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I sort of, I know when I started my journey, you know, I kind of knew that I didn't want to travel full time. Like I just felt like, but I wanted to take long extended trips. Yes. And so yeah. So one of my first ones was going to Europe, going to Britain and France, um, which was the end of 2018. And I make a trip to Prague because it's one of my favorite cities like ever. Yeah, no, Prague is definitely on my list. It's actually, it's on my vision board. Hey. But, <laughs> but the thing that I realized was, you know, going into this, I knew I was going to have to break up like when I was working and when I was like traveling and sightseeing and things like that. Yeah. And one of the things that I realized a bit too late was that I need complete travel days and complete work days. Like when I would combine them, when I would do like, you know, sightseeing in the morning and then come back to like do, you know, work at night, like I was so exhausted. I had to like force myself to do the work. And so basically I said, okay, for every two days of travel, I need one full day of work. So mm -hmm. moving forward, I'm going to be doing that. But like for that trip, I had pretty much booked everything like in advance. So yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even realize that about myself until I went because I just assumed that it would be totally fine <laughs> to yeah. like, like travel like in the morning, sightsee in the morning and then like work like in the evenings. But that was just... I completely agree. I actually had a friend who at the end of the first month of our program, like I'd been like, I've been going out, I've been doing yeah. all things. Like these are 50 strangers. So I was trying yeah. to like get to know them. And I had somebody ask me at the end of that first month slash into month two, because I'd stopped going out with them. I just realized that was something I couldn't keep up. And I'm glad I realized it as early as I did. But like, he asked me at one point, like, why don't you hang out with us anymore? And I was just like, I just, I can't do that. Like I, I can't. And he interpreted that as I have too much work to do to maintain that lifestyle. And so his response was, well, we all have a lot of work to do. And it was hard to articulate to them, like, no, that's, that's exhausting for me. Like yeah. not from a perspective, even from physical exhaustion, like that's mentally and emotionally exhausting to me. And it was hard to articulate to the people that I was traveling with, but I understood it and my closest friends understood it. And that was kind of all that really mattered to me at the time. Yeah, no. And I think it's just, I know for me, like, you know, cause I was, I would go like, you know, I'd basically get on a train in the morning. I would go to like, you know, one of the sites that was on my list. I would like tour it until the afternoon. So I'd usually come back around like three or 4 PM, but I was just so exhausted. Cause I, you know, like I went on an early train. So like, well, early for me, like 8 AM, you know, so like I'd get out, I'd have to wake up before then, you know, get ready, go on the train, like get to my destination, like all that stuff. And then, you know, just coming back and, and I didn't like, there was one time I remember 
where I made the bright decision to like get dinner in Covent Garden on a Friday night or something. Like it was probably like the worst. I was like, I got off the train and then I was like, hmm. I like looked up and down. There's like swarms of people. Like, I was like, probably wasn't the why? best. Night. Yeah, I was like, why did I do this? Like I should have done this like on a Tuesday for lunch. Like you know, like, I was like what am I doing? But like I was literally so tired that I spent like an hour just walking around looking for a place to eat because like just nothing was sounding good to me because I was just so tired. And eventually, you know, I I found a place and. Like I had like a quick dinner, but it was just like, I was just like, I I couldn't even imagine on top of my traveling, like going out, like at night, like after that, like, you know, hanging out with people. Cause like the one thing was, you know, I was, I was traveling alone. So I I didn't have like the, you know, like the ready-made friends, like, you know, to go out, have a good time or whatever. But I just, I, there was no way, like after Mm -hmm. that trip, I was already so exhausted because I was just going, going, going that I literally, I hibernated for like three weeks. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's talk about, you know, starting your business while you were abroad, kind of how you think that like has impacted your journey just because, you know, you were, yeah, just take it away. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> and it's interesting because I started like the, I am going to explicitly seek out clients that pay me. That's like the part of the business that I started uh, in 2017. But in all actuality, like the more I look back on it, it's hysterical to me that I didn't realize how much I loved coaching until like the 2000, you know, teens, because I've been doing it for 12 years. Like I was a, a, you know, a soccer captain in high school. I mentored, I tutored, I taught, I was a teaching assistant in college. I was an assistant soccer coach in college. Like I did all of these things that are essentially coaching in some capacity. And I've been doing them since high school. It never occurred to me that that is anything I could turn into a career, which is probably because back then it would not have been considered a career. Um, (laughs) But like in terms of starting this, it's funny. I think the initial push is I'd made a, I kind of a challenge to myself to release a little bit of the scientist identity when I started remote year. So the program I did is called remote year. Um, and when I started it, I really consciously was like, okay, if I want to start coaching, I need to start identifying myself as a coach. So when I would introduce myself to people, I, it started as, hi, I'm Ellen. I'm a science editor. I also am building a coaching business. So it started kind of as an add-on to what my, my science editor job title. And when I mentioned that very, very early in the experience, a gal in the group kind of perks up and goes, oh, I've been looking into getting a life coach. We should talk. And it was the first time I was just like, holy shit, people would actually like have me coach them. (laughs) Cool. Um, (laughs) So once her and I had a conversation and, you know, I'd had to have conversations with friends in the group of like, how do I price my services? Oh my God, I have absolutely no idea what I'm doing. Um, And once I had those conversations and talked to her and she was my second client because I'd actually prior to our conversation, had somebody else who wanted me to coach them as well. But it was kind of just this, this incremental process of a, just starting to identify myself as a coach. Like, I feel like the identity piece is the piece that people often miss when they're starting a business is, yeah, you can do all the strategy, but if in your head, you still don't feel like you are whatever thing you're trying to build your business around, it's not going to work very well. Like, 
you're you're not going to be as as quote unquote successful. Um, you're not going to be as as confident if you don't have that identity associated with it. So step one for me was really about starting to own the identity, mm -hmm. and then as and I don't like to be externally validated, but part of it really was for me seeing oh there are actually people who would pay me for my services, and at the time it really didn't matter how much they were paying me, like people were explicitly paying me to coach them. Right. And that was something that I kind of never realized people would do, which is funny because I was paying someone to coach me at the time, <laughs> go figure. But like, it was those kind of two first steps that I needed. And once I had that, all of a sudden I was just like, all right, I got a, um, there was a photographer in our group who she was a headshot photographer and she was just like, yeah, cool. Like I'll, I'll help you do your headshots. Let's put them on your website. And from there, the ball really started rolling. So, but it's really taken me a year to start to embody. I am, I'm a life coach and to identify myself in that way and have that become my primary identity. Like, I really feel like that's the most important part for me of stepping into this is going from, I'm a science editor. Oh, and I'm building a coaching business to I'm a science editor and a life coach to I'm a life coach. I do a little science editing on the side, <laughs> like really expression yeah. of like starting to shift my identity. And I feel like that was huge for me. Yeah. That really resonates with me too. I know I kind of, you know, had a similar, a similar challenge, I think, you know, and just identifying myself, you know, as an entrepreneur, because I had never thought of myself as that kind of person, you know, like in air quotes. And yeah, so it was just, that was something that actually probably took me a while. Like a majority of my first year in business was like just kind of getting used to being a business owner and like saying that and like being like, yes, like I, you know, I, I, I have done this. I am doing this, you know, and even though it kind of, it, it might feel unreal to you at times, you know, it's like, no, you have to, you have to embrace it. You have to embody it. And mm -hmm. yeah. And that, that's only going to help you, you know, because put yourself in the client perspective. If you're going to hire someone, you know, if you're hiring a coach, for instance, and they're like, oh, you know, I do some coaching on the side. Like, you know, that's not as, you know, you don't feel as confident in, in that sort of person as you would in being like, no, like I am, you know, I'm a coach. Like, this is what I do. This is what I, I love doing. This is what I have, you know, experience in. So, so I think that embodiment is, is definitely really big um, <laughs> in terms of starting out and continuing and growing. Um, sure. and actually, I don't know if we're going to get to this later. Um, and I don't even re remember if I mentioned this in like my little <laughs> interview survey thing you did, but I really feel like part of what kind of kicked my butt into gear in terms of really starting to own it. Like I was saying the words, you know, this past yeah. fall, for example, but, but it, feels, feel like it doesn't feel right. It you know? doesn't yeah, feel like right. And I feel like I had the big indication that I'm not fully embodying this yet because I, uh, my mom and my aunt came to visit while we were in Morocco um, in November. Yeah, we were in Africa. It was awesome. Um, yeah, we were in Morocco and my mom came to visit. And at one point I was hanging out with my mom, my aunt, and then my friend came on a, a tour with us. We rode camels in the Sahara. Yeah, it was awesome. And she, at one point on that tour, I'd made a comment to my mom about being unemployed. Mm -hmm. And, um, my friend, after my mom had left town, she pulled me aside and she goes, Ellen, I wanted to smack you in the face. <laughs> and I was just like, 
that's aggressive. Like, why'd you say that? Um, and she goes, you are not unemployed. You are building a business. There's a really big difference. And, you know, that's, I love having people like that in my life. Cause she called me on my shit, like really, really hard. Um, but I needed it because that was one of those moments where I realized I'd been saying the words, but I hadn't been stepping into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. And I can, I can relate on so many levels and I wish, I wish I had a friend who was that blunt about it. Like, <laughs> you know, and just Thanks, like, Karina. <laughs> yeah, making those, making those distinctions because it's so true. And I think it's also really difficult, you know, when you have, I know we've talked about this elsewhere, but you know, when you have, you know, people in your life, whether they be your parents, whether they be your friends who like don't really understand what it is you're doing and, you know, and they're like, um, and you're building this business, but like, you know, maybe they consider you unemployed. And that's like, I know that was like my mom, like overall, my parents have been super supportive, which is, I'm so grateful for it. But, um, you know, in the beginning, I think my mom was just so worried that like, I wasn't going to make it work, you know? And so, and so I think she was just so worried that I wasn't, that I was essentially going to find myself, you know, unemployed without anything. And so I know she was really skeptical of me leaving my job in the beginning. And then just a few months later, like, you know, once I'd gotten my first few clients and I was actually like, you know, I was working, I was bringing in money. Like I had a business, like I was literally like, I running this business. Um, you know, she was actually the one that told me, wow, like, I am so proud of you. Like I did not, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, you were going to be able to do this so quickly. And Mm -hmm. like, and so from that point on, like whenever I would get into a place where I was like, oh my God, like, you know, like, like something's not going right. Like, you know, like my mom's the one that kind of whips me into shape at that point. She's like, well, you know, you're a business owner. Like you have a business, like you better start acting like it. Like, don't feel sorry for yourself. Like she's like, yeah, she's like, <laughs> tells me. she's like, you can feel sorry for yourself once you're making, you know, a million dollars in your business. Like, you know, she's like, you can feel sorry for yourself with all that, you know, experience mm-hmm. that's behind you just as much as you can you know, from where you are now. And I think that that's something that I, I personally try to remind myself. Um, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like, I feel like I can speak to from the perspective of not necessarily feeling like the bulk of the people in your life support it. Like mm-hmm. I left a very, very respected path mm-hmm. and respected, mm-hmm. respected yeah. path. And you know, I'm gonna, it was I'm dissect that. Yeah. And I don't even know how to articulate it all other than to say when I made the decision to leave, there were people who were very supportive. You know, my faculty mentor told me how brave she thought it was that I'd made the decision to do what's best for me and not just, you know, I I'm one of those people who can take integrity almost a little bit too far. Like I will, you know, stick with a decision I made come hell or high water. And that was the first time in my life that I'd realized, you know what? I made a decision and I no longer think this is the best decision for me. Yeah. Um, you know, my faculty mentor said it was brave. A lot of other people who were mentors to me said it was brave, but not everybody agreed with that. Like I had one of my very, very good friends who sent me a strongly worded email about how I was being stupid and making a mistake. You know, I had people in my family tell me they were disappointed. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you, there will be people in your life that don't get it, that disagree with the decision you made. And I know, you know, you talk about your parents being supportive and mine are like, wonderful. I'm living with them right now. I'm recording this from my brother's old room. My childhood bedroom is next door. Hey, transparency. Um, like they're, they're supportive in their own way, but I know there's still part of them that kind of wishes that I'd go a bit more. We've moved away from real job 
they no longer call it real yeah. job. Yeah. They no call it quotes right now, everybody. Yeah. Um, they call it traditional job because they understand mm-hmm. now that that pisses me off. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure they would rather me go a traditional route. Mm-hmm. So like, we're kind of building up. I'm still building my business too. Like I haven't had the rapid success that you've had in terms of like monetary success, but that's okay with me. Like I'm, I'm rolling my own path here. I'm doing other work while I build my business. I'm getting to the point where I feel like the people in my life are starting to see, Oh, this is legit. Like Mm -hmm. the testimonials on my website and you'll know that this is legit. Like that's success to me. Yeah. as opposed to the monetary piece. So yeah. like there, you'll have that too. If you're somebody mm-hmm. who's trying to build their business, you'll, you'll probably have some people who don't get it. And it might be people who are close to you, who you wish did be patient with them as well as be patient with yourself. Yeah, no. And, and I also just want to, I want to talk about, you know, kind of the, you know, as you said, you know, kind of, we're all on our own journey on our own path, you know, and yes, some people experience success, whether that be, you know, monetary or media success or whatever, you know, relatively quickly, you know, and then others, I feel like, you know, there are times where I feel like things are so slow, you know, like where I feel like, oh my God, my business is just like, it's growing so slowly. And like, you know, there's all these times where I'm like, you know, I feel like you feel stuck and like, and I think, I know that's one thing that I sort of personally you know, have had issues with is just like, how do you, and this is a question for you that I'm, you know, kind of (laughs) answering, but like, I'm also asking it to myself, like, how do you kind of, you know, keep yourself motivated and like moving forward when you get in those times where you just feel like your business is growing slowly and you're just like, you know, you're not seeing the, you know, success, um, however you define it, which we'll get into next that you, you know, that you desire. Mm -hmm. I have, this might sound a little cliche, but I'm, it always shocks me how many people don't actually know this or have a good answer to this question. If you find yourself getting stuck and and feeling a lack of motivation in anything, whether you are an entrepreneur or you are just an everyday human trying to live your life the best way you can, if you find yourself getting stuck moving towards something that at one point you wanted, check into your why. If you are getting stuck, you need to revisit your why. You need to revisit why you started. I actually do an exercise with every single client that I've ever worked with. And I do not work with business owners, really. Like I work with people who, yeah, maybe they'll move into consulting or maybe they have like a network marketing business or something like that. But in terms of like the traditional perspective of like an entrepreneur, I don't feel like those are the clients that I work with but I still have them do this. Mm-hmm. And it, it's so important because, and I tell them when they do this, A, you have to dig into your why real, real deep. We all start with superficial whys, about why we started our business, about why we started working out, about why we're writing our book, like whatever. We yeah. all start with really, really superficial whys. Your why for working out is not because you want to lose weight. Or you want to, you know, even look hotter to the opposite sex. That's not your true why. You need to dig deeper. You need to ask yourself why six, seven, eight, nine times. Because mm-hmm. that's when you get into the real why. And yeah. so many of us start with the superficial why. And then we wonder why we lose motivation. Well, it's because you don't know why you really want it. Mm-hmm. You don't really know why you're truly in the business you're in. 
And once you find that why, I actually encourage everybody. We talked on the podcast we did on my, um, on my podcast mm-hmm. about accountability. Yeah. This isn't an accountability buddy kind of thing, but I encourage you to find somebody in, who's close to you in your life that you trust, that is, you know, supportive of your goal, share it with them because there will be a point where you forget why you started, mm-hmm. where you can't, you can't tap back into your why that's when you bring somebody else in to remind you. I really highly encourage people to get a coach for that, but it can be a friend or a significant other or, you know, parent. But that's my big thing is when we lose motivation, we need to tap back into our why. We need to dig deeper into it. And sometimes it might involve somebody else reminding us of what our why is. And like, I felt that. I had a program launch that was a flop. Holy shit, was it a flop, you guys. And I strongly questioned why I was doing what I was doing strongly. Mm -hmm. And I also realized that part of my why, my why has like a bajillion layers. It's an onion. There you go, Shrek. Same. Um, same. (laughs) (laughs) But like, I realized that part of my why is, yeah, eventually I want to get to the point in my business where I'm impacting, you know, thousands, tens of thousands, millions people. I don't, I don't know. I want to get to that point. Yeah, of course. But right now it's like one person at a time. And I had to really check myself after my program launch flopped and look back and realize that over the course of the first six months of my business, I had gotten unbelievable testimonials from every single client that I'd worked with. Mm-hmm. I changed, you know, half a dozen, like six or eight lives. I don't remember how many clients I had over that period of time, but like yeah. a half a dozen to a dozen lives had been changed by me and the work that I do. Who gives a shit about the program launch flopping? Yeah. Like, I helped those people transform yeah. their lives. Yeah. No, I mean, that is just, I absolutely loved everything you just said. And it was so profound. And especially for me, like, for those of you, since people can't like see us, I was like nodding my head like the whole time, like a, like a bobble head. <laughs> like, I was just like, yes, yes. Like, because I know like for me personally, like that's, you know, what I found is, you know, when I find myself in those situations where I get frustrated or I get, you know, I feel lack of motivation, I realize it's because I'm not working from my why, like I'm not even thinking about it. And like, I'm just working from like the how or like, you know, trying to figure out the how and trying to figure out all these little things. Like the metrics. And, like, yeah. Like, we get so stuck on the metrics, even like, yeah, part of your definition of success can be how much money you bring in, mm-hmm. but there's probably another layer to even your definition of success. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. just about the like, metrics. They get so stuck on those. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we all also need to, you know, remind ourselves, um, at least, you know, this is something I remind myself too. It's like, you know, you can have like, all the money in the world. And then you can also lose it. Mm -hmm. And I know that's something like, you know, like nobody really likes talking about, (laughs) but like that happens. And so it's like, you know, if that happens, does that suddenly mean that you're a failure? Does that mean that all the success that you accumulated throughout, you know, the years that you like, you know, were conventionally successful, does that mean that, you know, all of that just completely goes away because, you know, something, something major happened, you know, like for instance, um, you know, during the Great Depression, um, you know, when the stock market crashed in 1929, there were a lot, like a lot of millionaires who literally mm-hmm. lost everything. Um, if they were too, I don't want to say if they were too old, but, um, you know, if they, if w- some of them lost their kind of zest for creating that wealth again. And so they honestly, they died in debt 
and it was like super sad and like super terrible but like at the same time like we need to look back at like all the success that they did achieve like during their majorly successful lives because a lot of the a lot of the companies that they started a lot of the enterprises they started are still around today like mm-hmm. we can literally pinpoint like you know yeah like he may have died like thousands of dollars in debt but his business his company that he started is still around and mm-hmm. like still prospering and mm-hmm. i think that that's just so important to kind of remind ourselves and and think about you know like because success isn't just about the money there's so yeah. much more to it and i feel like a lot of times the money is just like it's so much for like external validation you know it's it like oh look at me like i you know and and um and i think that it's you know for certain people i think you know obviously for for a number of yeah people if it's not the be all end all <laughs> but yeah. um you know for those people who where you know it may be the be all end all i think that it's you know it's become this sort of external validator and i also think and i think some people may get lost along the way you know yeah um, i mean i could look at my life now and say i'm less successful because i'm no longer on the track to having three initials after my name right yeah <laughs> i am less successful because i have less money in the bank now than i did when i was leaving or entering graduate school mm-hmm. like i could say i'm less successful because of those things but in all actuality i feel like infinitely more successful than I did, you know, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Was like, yeah, six years ago, I started graduate school in uh, summer of 2013. I feel infinitely more successful. Are the, the, you know, and it's funny because when I left Michigan to come back to live at my parents' house, I felt like I was taking massive steps backward. I had less money. I was moving back in with my parents. Like I felt like I was like jumping back to high school. Yeah. But in all actuality, I don't feel that way anymore. I'm creating something that's mine. And sometimes you have to, I actually was thinking about this recently. I was talking to a prospective client about, you know, potentially working together. And one of the things that she had mentioned was, well, I don't want to live back with my parents. Almost like she couldn't do coaching because of the financial investment because Mm -hmm. she didn't want to live with her parents. And I'm like, you know what? I can't tell you which decision to make and I'm not going to. But in my heart, I was kind of like, that's a question of my priorities. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, maybe some people will disagree with this or be offended by this, but I feel like that's pride. Mm-hmm. You it won't is. take this, this gift that your parents would give you to live under their roof and be supported by them for a, a you know, a short period of time to build your dream. Yeah, no, it's true. And for me, it was worth it. I was one of those people who used to say my goal in life was to never live at home again. Mm-hmm. Guess what? I'm living <laughs> at home again. Mm-hmm. because it was worth it to me to prioritize creating the lifestyle I wanted, the business that I wanted yeah. to live back with my parents. Yeah. Even if, you know, the almost 30 year old in me is just kind of like, holy shit, I live with my parents still, you know, it's a question of priorities. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think it also is a wonderful segue into your personal definition of success, which I would love to ask you to, to define. So, um, sorry, we're kind of like going back on script here. It's okay. Um, some of the questions that I'm asking. So I think that just segues perfectly. So what is your personal definition of success? Uh, yeah, it's, 
it, it's interesting and I'm curious to hear what you, what you think about it when you read it on the, on the survey. Uh, so when I was doing high performance coaching in 2018, they had us do an activity where essentially instead of, you know, defining some success as some sort of like Webster dictionary phrase, essentially what they had us do was think about a time in your life where you felt so successful. You felt like things were clicking, like you were firing on all cylinders. You felt so, so good mm -hmm. about the direction things were going. Yeah. What did that feel like? And pick three words to describe that. And as I was thinking of my words, the first one I thought of was growth. I am a very, very growth oriented person. Personal growth is a fixture in my life in an absurd way. And all the clients that I work with tend to be similarly very, very growth oriented. Like they want to be challenged in their life in some way. They want to feel like they're growing. I wholeheartedly agree with when Tony Robbins says that he feels like growth is a fundamental human drive. I'm that way. I feel like a big reason why people feel stuck is because they're not growing themselves. They're not challenging themselves. So growth for me is one of my three words to define success. The second one is, and it actually took me a while to come up with the word to describe this feeling. But as I was articulating it to my coach, it was like, I feel like it's a snowball and it's rolling downhill and it's just building up on itself. And it's got all of this, you know, just forward motion. And she's like, okay, hey, cool. How can we describe that? It literally took me like 10 minutes of brainstorming to come up with the word momentum. I feel successful when I have momentum. Yeah. When, you know, I'm growing myself, yeah, and challenging myself in that way, but I can feel like things are clicking into place. I feel like I'm, you know, moving into almost like a flow state, which flow is a word that I have not used often to describe things until recently. Shout out to you, Amber Lillystrom. So momentum's become a really big fixture of when I feel successful. I had a moment like that in 2016, actually, not long before I decided to quit my PhD. I had many moments like that last year as I was starting to build the business. I also had a lot of moments where there was no momentum and it was a struggle. And I feel like I'm in a place of momentum right now, um, which is awesome. Like, I feel like things are clicking into place in lots of parts of my life and my business. So that's really big for me. And then the last word for me is resilient because, you know, when you grow, and you challenge yourself, there will inevitably be times when you fall flat on your face and it's not pretty and it's not Instagram worthy. And yeah, and that was, I've realized, and actually I also had this reinforced a lot recently. I realized that, that those moments where you can pick yourself up and dust yourself off and keep moving forward, you know, maybe you're, you're limping, maybe you're struggling those moments, when I can recover from that, I'm like, I'm a badass. If I can get up from this situation and keep moving toward my dream and creating the business I want and creating the life I want, that makes me feel like a badass. Mm -hmm. um, and so resilience has become big in my definition as well. So those are the three components. And it's kind of an unconventional way to define success, but that's what I think of. Success for me is growth, momentum, and resilience. No, I love that. I think it's, I love it because, you know, I ask this question to each one of my guests and all of the answers are totally different. And I think it's so important that we really recognize this because, you know, I think out there, you know, in 
um, you know, kind of uh, in society, you know, I think that people in general, like, have this idea, kind of this like group think idea of like what success is. But when we get down to an individual level, we all define success so differently. Mm-hmm. And I just think it's so important to really um, to really, you know, bring awareness of this. And because, you know, I feel like there are some people out there who may not have defined success for themselves yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know that's kind of where I was before, um, before my, um, you know, my personal growth development entrepreneur journey. And, you know, I think I, I sort of had this idea of what I, what I wanted for my life. Um, but I didn't necessarily like, you know, consciously think about how this is my personal definition of success. This is what success looks like to me and really go down and define it more specifically. I didn't really, I wasn't really doing that. It was all very general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like there's two, like, I still have goals. Like, don't get me wrong. Like that's my definition. (laughs) But I also, yeah, I want to give a Ted talk one day. Yeah. I want to be an Amazon bestselling author. Yeah. I have income goals. Like don't think that I don't have goals, Yeah, (laughs) but I'm not defining my success now or even my success in the future by whether I've achieved those goals. Yeah. I think that's, that's the distinction you can, I'm a very goal driven human, but you can't wait until you've achieved the goals to start to feel successful. In my opinion, I feel like there are two pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. No, it's very true. And I think that it's, I think that there needs to be kind of a distinction between success and then between like the attainment of, of your goals. I think like we need to find another word. We'll, we'll figure it out at some point. We don't have to, you know, (laughs) we, we don't have to like find it out now, but yeah. So let's see, let's go on to any advice that you have for other young women who are, you know, starting out on, on their journeys to their own versions of success. Yeah. So I feel like a, the first thought I had was just start, you know, if you have an idea, just, just start moving toward it. It doesn't have to be some glorious path that you've got completely laid out and completely figured out, but just start. The thing that I've really been pivoting a lot toward lately in terms of my message and how I coach is we need to stop shooting ourselves. And yes, it is phrased that way for a reason. We need to stop, like eliminate the word should from your vocabulary. I think too many of us, particularly millennials, because we've got a lot of older, wiser people telling us the steps that we should take to live a good life. And for a lot of people, you know, maybe those steps are exactly what they want in their life. You know, they want to get a job, have that job be their job for the rest of their life. You know, they want to then meet their soulmate, have their 2.5 kids, buy a house. Like if that's the things you want, I'm not trying to be snarky and flippant by listing those things off. That's okay. But too many of us are going after those things because we think it's what we should want. Mm -hmm. And if that's your reason, it comes back to your why. If that's your reason for going after those things in your life, you need to nip that shit in the bud right now because that's ultimately it's inauthentic. It's not truly what you want. You are living your life for someone else. If those are the things that you're doing and that's the reason why you're doing it. And I feel like so many of us, myself included, have fallen into patterns where that's why, that's why we're making the decisions we're making Mm -hmm. is because we quote unquote feel like we should. Yeah. And that's dangerous. So my biggest piece of advice is let should, if it comes up in your vocabulary, let that be a red flag to you Mm -hmm. to really readdress why you are making the choices you're making, why you're choosing the path that you're choosing. 
But I do want to make one distinction here. And this actually came up the other day when I was talking to someone. I do feel like there are two types of shoulds. There are empowering shoulds mm -hmm. and there are disempowering shoulds. So you need to think of what is driving it. If it's completely externally driven, I should do this because it'll make my, you know, my parents proud. Or I should do this because that's success is climbing the corporate ladder. Like if that's the reason you're making the decision, that's a disempowering should. And you need to cut that out, like knock it off. But if you find yourself saying, I should do this for, for me, I should do this because it makes me feel so empowered. I should do this because it fits with my purpose, like nothing else I've ever found in my life. Yeah. You know, or it makes me excited, enthusiastic, whatever. If it's internally driven, okay. I would say that's an empowering should. But if it's externally driven and it's driven by all of these other factors that have nothing to do with you, and what you truly want to have, do, be in your life, ask that. Like, stop shooting yourself. It's not serving you, and it's not serving anybody else in your life for you to inauthentically go after things that you quote-unquote should. I love it. I think it's so important, and, and it just made me think of something that I'm now doing, like, in terms of, like, things that, like, I should be doing versus, like, the should versus should, you know, so, like, I feel like even as an entrepreneur, I feel like, you know, there are times where, you know, we tell ourselves, oh, like, you know, I should be working on my business right now, like, I should be doing this, I should be doing more of this, I should be working more on this, dedicating more time, and I know one thing that I've started doing just very recently, just within the last few weeks, is I've actually taken out a whole half a day or a day, depending on the week, but where I just dedicate it to researching history for my novel, but also for like my personal enjoyment, just because like, I just love history so much. And I just find that like, when I do that, like it, it just like feeds my soul kind of, you know, like I just feel so much more energized and I actually feel like happier to like work on my business, even though like someone could say like, oh, well, you know, like you're writing your novel or like researching for it. Like it's not giving you direct returns right now, you know, like, and but for me, that's fine because like this is a longer term project and I get enjoyment out of it. So now like that's one of my like empowering shoulds is that every week I should be taking time to do that, to research, to um, mm -hmm. down and, and write. Yeah. I feel like that's like my thing is my morning routine. That is my time for me. Like I do that. Yeah. Part of me is like, I should do that because I need a morning routine. But in all honesty, I do it because it is my favorite part of the day. And yes, that does include working out, which even if, and I use a lot of health and fitness examples because I got my start in fitness coaching, suck it up. Um, but also because those are things that we can really easily wrap our brains around. But I even find that it applies to working out. I wholeheartedly believe we should all have some sort of health and fitness routine in our lives. Wholeheartedly, 100%. Mm -hmm. But if any of my clients are like, and I actually run into this currently with one of my clients, feels like you should work out because Ellen says you should work out. <laughs> No, yeah. no, I, I, we need to find something deeper for ourselves and everything that, that we do. Like it needs to have meaning. Mm -hmm. I, I really profoundly believe that. And for me, yeah, I work out almost every day, but I do it because it makes me feel so damn powerful. It makes me feel so strong. Like I feel like even when I'm huffing and puffing and Shanti is absolutely kicking my ass, he's the insanity guy for people who okay. don't know. Like, <laughs> 
which he did this morning, I feel like a badass when I'm done. I feel powerful when I'm done. That's why I do it. And so I feel like every, everything you do needs to have some deeper internal meaning for you. Mm-hmm. And if you're not finding that meaning, check yourself, pause, and figure out what that meaning is. It's so true. I got myself a, a personal trainer mm-hmm. um, about almost two years ago now. I can't believe it's been that long. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, and it was actually spurned because I had to fit into my friend's bridesmaid's dress. Like, I was, hey, yeah. it was like, it, 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 zip, it did zip up, but I was like, basically like, <laughs> you know, like it was, it was very- I was running into problems with the shoulders. I'm like, yeah, I feel like, like I'm going to hulk out of this in my shoulders. Like, yeah, it was like my shoulders and my back and like, um, and it was just- and so I was like, well, I need to lose five pounds in one month. Like it, I literally had a month. And, um, and so I got this trainer and I told, I pulled it off. Like I lost five pounds that month. And then I wasn't even trying to lose weight after that. But I think just with like the knowledge that they gave me, just in terms of like what I was eating, like I basically discovered that I was a carb. Um, I was just one big carb. Like all I ate was carbs. All I did was carbs. It was just carbs, carbs, carbs. And so just kind of with that knowledge, like the next three months, I actually lost an additional 10 pounds. And then kind of after that, like, I feel like that just that initial success when I wasn't even trying, like gave me kind of that intrinsic, like motivation to be like, Hey, this is making me feel a lot better about Mm -hmm. myself. This was also when I was building my business. So like this all kind of happened when I was first starting out, like I was still in my nine to five, but just kind of all of it was just working together to like make me feel better, more confident. And I had already thought of myself as a pretty confident person before, before that, like, you know, but I think it was also because I was comparing myself to a lot of other people. And, you know, unfortunately there's a, a lot of people who lack confidence and um I was one of them yeah so I think all of those just kind of like helped me along and Mm -hmm. um and I've really you know I mean just in terms of my personal health journey I feel like now I work out because that's like kind of my time for me and that's like Mm -hmm. part of my self-care and also part of me feeling energized and feeling good and like connected with my physical body yeah 100% yeah Super important for just figuring out your intrinsic motivation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I could go on a whole health and fitness tangent, but I'm trying yeah. to. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, yeah. We'll keep it. We'll, we'll keep it short. We'll, we'll wrap this up because we are getting, we'll probably need to do a part two just like. I'm game. Yeah. Like we're, yeah, it's going to be great. We just have so much to talk about. Okay. So last question, even though, oh God, I have more questions I want to ask you. Um, <laughs> all right. No, but I'll, I'll be good. Okay. Is there a certain experience or part of your journey that you want to share to, you know, inspire other young women to like start their journeys or continue their journeys or do that thing that's scaring them at the moment? Like, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. So a big thing on my website is I want to inspire people to live a life they effing love on their terms. That's what it says all over my website. (laughs) And to really just like take back their lives. Because Mm -hmm. I feel like so many of us, when we talked about the should piece, so many of us are living our lives for other people. Yeah. And it's completely natural to do that. And if you are, A, forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. B, though, is I think the biggest thing is we need to give ourselves permission to change our minds. You know, I, uh, I think the thing, one of the things I'm most proud of in my life, in fact, probably the thing I am the most proud of in my life is that I had the courage to look at my situation and say, A, there's nothing wrong with people who want this in their lives. Mm-hmm. Like I have absolute, like the utmost respect and love and, and just like think they're just incredible humans. Some of these people that I went to graduate school with, but I looked at their lives and I didn't want what they 
had and what they were working toward. Like my mentor in graduate school, I love her dearly. And it actually, it hurt my heart when I found out that she blamed herself for me leaving graduate school to the point where I reached out to her as recently as a few months ago to kind of reassure her that that's not the case. But the point I'm trying to make here is that I feel like we need to have the courage sometimes to look at our lives and ask ourselves these questions that, yeah, might throw a serious monkey wrench into your life. Ask yourself the question, is the path I'm on right now truly the path I want? Mm-hmm. Is the path I'm on going to make me into the person I want to be? Is it going to give me the fulfillment that I want in life? Is it going to, you know, it's all about what do you ultimately want to be, to do, to have in your life? And if the path you're on is not going to give you that, I think the big thing is you have to give yourself permission to change your mind and to want something different. It took me three years to give myself that permission when I was in graduate school. And it might take, you know, you that long, like for whoever is listening to this, it might take you that long. But if you feel it in your gut, that like nagging voice in your head, that's like, I don't know that this is right for me. I want something different. I want something more. It's there for a reason. You just have to give yourself permission to change your mind and listen to it. Yeah, no, I think it's so important. And I think it's also important, you know, for those people out there who maybe haven't even really thought of those questions. Because, you know, from my my personal journey, like I honestly didn't even realize that I was unhappy or stuck or stagnant. I just thought that that's what I was supposed to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the should. I was just like, no, this is, I should, this is what I should be doing. Like, you know, like that was, mm-hmm. and so I didn't even give another thought to it. And, you know, it was kind of like, it was really only once I did ask myself those questions, once Mm -hmm. I did start kind of realizing that I really kind of like kicked myself into gear in terms of like changing my, my life around. But I feel like, unfortunately, I just see so many other people, other, you know, peers that are like around our age who I hope are listening to this right now. And like, (laughs) you know, like wanting to ask themselves these questions, because I think it's so important because I think we can so easily just kind of Mm -hmm. allow ourselves to get into this place where we're just like running on autopilot and we're just doing it because we think this is what we're supposed to do because this is what our family thinks we should do or this is what society thinks we should do and Mm -hmm. teaches us to do and it's just we need to actually ask ourselves if that's what we want because Mm -hmm. I bring this up a number of times on the show and I've mentioned it before like I love history and like if you look back in history it was not like this cookie cutter Stepford Wives type living situation. There were no nine to five jobs. Like, you know, like before a few decades ago, like that was not how things were done. Like really until the industrial revolution, you didn't really even have people working for other people on a massive scale. Like that just Mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily what was normal. So I think that we also need to remind ourselves that this view that we have of society is very, very, very new. And I think so many times, you know, I just hear so many people say, you know, like the nine to five, that's how it's always been. And I just want to shake them and be like, no, it's not. We're not all as much of history buffs as you are. (laughs) I know, I know, I know. But it's just, uh, yeah, sad. I hope that I can bring some awareness to that through this show. But Mm -hmm. thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything with us. (laughs) There's so much more that I have to ask you. So we'll definitely have you on again at some point very soon. Yes. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. This is wonderful. And yeah, I'm, I'm passionate about this message as you can all tell. So happy to talk about it. Thank you.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Millennial Success Stories podcast. I would love to invite you to join our growing community of fellow millennial women entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs inside our free Facebook group, the Millennial Success Society. I also love connecting with fellow women entrepreneurs on Instagram. Find me at Jackie Kossoff underscore LA. Feel free to send me a DM with any suggestions for future episodes or questions you'd like answered on the show. For all the latest show updates, exclusive resources for our listeners, or to apply to become a guest on the show, please visit the Millennial Success Stories podcast page on my website at www.jackiekossoff.com slash podcast. Thank you again for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.